Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, a movie podcast taking you inside the world of an art house cinema. My name is Nick Aldrink. I am the digital media specialist at the Michigan Theater Foundation, and we are here recording in the Ann Arbor Library. I am joined by three guests who also work at the Michigan Theater. Please tell us who you are and what you do for the theater. Hey, I am Sarah Erlewine, and I am the marketing manager at the Michigan Theater. Hi, everybody. I'm Caitlin Droswicki, and I run Cinetopia Film Festival. May 31st through June 10th. Good plug. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mackenzie Peacock, and I am the conference manager of the Art House Convergence. The Art House Convergence. So that is going to be our first topic of the podcast today. It's come up in previous podcasts, so we're glad Mackenzie finally has the chance to come in here and talk about it. Let's get right into it. Mackenzie, tell us what is the Art House Convergence. So the Art House Convergence is a national association of art house movie theaters here in North America. It was actually founded by the Michigan Theater, which is something that I think a lot of our regular members and attendees might not even be aware of. But basically, it's an online community of art house movie theaters, just like the Michigan and the state right here in downtown, that can come together and talk about best practices and successes and failures and kind of help each other out. How, how far does it span? So uh, our main members, if you will, are in North America. That's kind of our goal. Our mission statement is to improve the quantity and the quality of art house theaters in North America. But to be honest, it's a, uh, every year it kind of gets a little bit more international. Uh, we have theaters come from uh, a lot from the United Kingdom um, and a lot from Europe in general. And what is sort of the history of it? Yeah, so um, 11 years ago, what happened was the Sundance Institute, for those of you who have heard of the Sundance Film Festival, invited uh, what they thought were like the 10 best art house movie theaters in the country to come do a panel at the Sundance Film Festival. That was 11 years ago. And uh, Russ Collins of the Michigan Theater was invited to represent the Michigan Theater. So they all came together. They all got to go to Sundance and meet each other. And from what I've heard, basically before 11 years ago, none of these theaters interacted with each other. They were all aware of each other. They, you know, we have theaters like, if any of you have been to Chicago, there's the Music Box in Chicago or the Coolidge Corner Theater in Boston. There's all these theaters that are kind of nationally known, but they've never really interacted with each other. So they came together. They had a panel. They said, wow, this is great. They went their separate ways. The next year, Sundance did the same thing, invited them back. And this time, Russ was kind of like, you know what? This is something that we should continue. These conversations are really meaningful. This is helpful. All of us kind of have the same struggles. We have the same successes. We play a lot of the same films, even though every theater is kind of unique to their own community. They are, they're pretty similar. So he said, you know, why don't we put together a conference here at Sundance uh, the week before, and we can kind of, you know, put on panels and have speakers and kind of learn from each other. So the next year they did that, and I think like 30 people came, which they thought was a huge success. Um, they, and then they moved to um, a little town right outside Sundance. So it's four days before Sundance. Which is it's in little, Utah. In Utah. That's good. To, thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> in Utah. Um, and basically every year, it, for the first couple of years, it kind of just doubled year after year. Um, and now we had our last conference here in January of 2018. We sold out at about 640 people. Um, we sold out a month in advance. And it is now uh, movie theaters are coming, film festivals are coming, film distributors who are the ones who we work with to uh, play films. We have popcorn vendors. We have concession vendors. There's people who design seats, people who design the theaters, people who sell all the ticketing companies. Um, it's really exciting. It's kind of grown every year. And who knows where it's going next. 
<laughs> you just answered another question. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the future is unclear. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's bring everyone else in the conversation here. You mm-hmm. both, uh, Sarah and Caitlin, you both attended Our House Convergence uh, in the past as well. What's your experience with it? So my experience, I've also attended the regional uh, conference, which happens mid-year, and it's um, more targeted and more, obviously, regional. Um, so last year I was at um, the Philadelphia conference, and that's the first time I actually um, – I didn't really have to. I didn't have to work at all. I was basically there to absorb all of the information, and of course, I helped out Mackenzie where she needed, which I appreciate. <laughs> but um, I was actually able to, yeah, really talk with the distributors, talk with other film festival folks that were there, and also um, theaters, and just talk about because I'm I work in the marketing department as well as the Michigan Theater, so I took in a lot of information about how they share their content and their films with their members and their non-member base and what's the most effective ways to do things. Um, It's really, because we're kind of going into a more digital world, I suppose, I'm always curious about how um, other theaters are transitioning from all those like paper flyers that we see all of the time um, and how they're transitioning with information sharing to the more digital um, landscape. So um, I've, got a, I've got some good information and I've also got some information that says, let's just keep with some paper inf- paper content and go from there. That's a little bit more detailed than maybe mm-hmm. you were asking, but those are the types of things that yeah. we really dig into. And um, it's, it's um, very... Um, it's very informative, obviously, but um, it's good to get the creative juices flowing, too. Mm-hmm. So in those conversations, we talk about what are some other things that we could do. And um, I really like that information sharing and um, it, the teamwork that goes into it um, is obviously very important to me. Yeah, that's what kind of, that's what's great about the community there is that something that's good for a theater in Portland, Oregon, if that theater's doing well, mm-hmm. that's good for us here in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's this sense that everyone really wants every other theater to succeed. Uh, we're definitely not competitive. Sometimes on a panel, someone will say, hey, I put together this program this past month of children's educational filmmaking. Here's the flyer we used. Uh, here's a link I can email you, you know, all of the promotional materials. Here's the films we booked. Here's where we booked them from. Basically, it's like a box. You can say, hey, here's this program. If it will work for you, great. Run with it. Mm-hmm. And people just kind of build off each other's ideas. It's really exciting. So for me, it, yay, going to the festival is fantastic, or the conference is fantastic, and it really is a great intensive experience where the things that I've gotten out of it are really those kind of one-on-one sessions with other theaters or with those vendors, like Mackenzie was mentioning earlier. But honestly, uh, Art House Convergence is a daily thing for me because not only do we do the conference, we do that we have a, a Google group, basically, which is... Every day I get these messages to my inbox of people who are dealing with the same issues that we are dealing with every day. And you can have those one-on-one conversations or group conversations, and you can share those ideas all of the time. It isn't just those four days before Sundance in January. Yeah, it's the Google group has been really wonderful. Um, and it can be as broad as someone just talking about like, hey, let's talk about how we all have to switch to digital projectors and no one's using film anymore. It can be these big, like, industry-wide deep conversations. And there's also conversations of people that were just like, hey, we got to replace our carpet. What do you guys suggest? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's anywhere from, I would say, like, six to 20 threads a day of really um, active voices uh, participating. And what's great, too, is that um, we are mainly, uh, like, a volunteer-based group. Uh, There's usually... um, 
myself and maybe one other staffer at any time. Um, and we are we do function out of the Michigan Theater. I have a little uh, cubicle desk back there at the Michigan. Uh, so a lot of these conversations and these panels um, and these topics come from the community. And one of my favorite uh, aspects about the Our House Convergence is, I mean, we, we talked about the, the, the community and the Google group that we all have, but then there's communication with each other when uh, other theaters are in need. Uh, what was the theater in Vancouver? I think it was in Vancouver. It was in uh, the Canadian theater. That the were, Rio? The Rio, yeah. And they were they were struggling. They were about to, they, were, they had lost their liquor license at one point. Yeah, and... the Rio is this crazy theater in Vancouver um, that is, uh, they do like Star Wars burlesque shows where they'll show a Star Wars film mm-hmm. with a burlesque uh, cool. show yeah. happening on the stage. Yeah, they're really funky. Um very unique to their own community and uh, they're built, but they were renting. They do not own their building. And uh, the, the laws just changed in their community where now buildings can be over six stories high or something. So now the property is worth a lot of money to mm-hmm. a potential apartment building, kind of a similar struggle that um, Ann Arbor's facing right. all of the time. So their landlord said, yeah, you know, I can sell this for a lot more money than I'm making from you guys and get an apartment um, building put in. They said, you know, please give us three months. We can raise this money. Um, and so they started an Indiegogo, and they shared it with the with the Convergence. Um, I know I gave money to it, just out not out of the Convergence budget, just out of my own mm-hmm. bank account. But um, and a lot of the community shared it, and it's, it went worldwide. And I, I think they're actually pretty close to. Uh, reaching their goal right now. You can find that on Indiegogo, the Rio Theater in Vancouver. So there really is, there's an opportunity for us small theaters to like throw out the bat signal when we need help mm-hmm. and then others come to our aids and it, it's it's a great, it's a, yeah, it's a great alliance to have. Yeah, and it's also been um, fun. We've been kind of discovering in the last year that we're able to um, kind of have a national impact as a group in certain ways. Like uh, we... Uh, after a certain event happened in uh, November of 2016, there were some pretty upset uh, theaters. And a lot of us are nonprofits, so we can't really do overtly political screenings. But uh, this one theater in Huntington, New York, the Cinema Arts Center, said, hey, wouldn't that be fun if we all played 1984? <laughs> and he reached out to the distributor and got a good deal for the film and said, hey, everyone, email this person. They'll send you... Um, you know, you can book a 1984 for a discounted rate with them, and we're all going to play it on this day. Um, and the Michigan part- partook in that. We played it. Actually, we, uh, we played it at a university venue because we didn't have one of our screens available. Um, Which actually, actually worked great. It worked really well because um, we were able to get students in. But um, we all played 1984 on the same day, and it got a bunch of write-ups in, like, The Hollywood Reporter and IndieWire and some other trade articles. So that was pretty fun. And uh, another thing that the Art House Convergence has led to is Art House Theater Day, which happens in September, which we've taken part in as well here at the Michigan, which is really a lot of fun, a a great chance to do really interesting programming. And the Art House Convergence has helped lead in with uh, added value content for the films that we're able to bring in, whether those are Q&As or maybe some swag pieces or something. Yeah, so Art House Theater Day, um, which our third one is coming up this September on September 23rd. It's a Sunday. Uh, What it is, is there were two volunteers who um, actually work in two wildly different theaters in one of them in North Carolina, the other one in Austin. But there were two volunteers at the Art House Convergence who said, hey, you know, we've seen Record Store Day become really successful. We've seen Comic Book uh, Store Day become really successful of these ways that communities can celebrate uh, their own institutions. And so they said, why don't we put together Art House Theater Day? So uh, we've done the last two years. We had over 200 theaters participate uh, both years, uh, which is really exciting. And we do offer some exclusive programming for theaters, but we also want theaters uh, 
to kind of do something special for their own community because obviously they uh, they have their own audience, they have their own love there, and uh, so they can kind of make the day their own. But um, that's been something really fun, and that's actually starting to go international too. We had theaters this year in Ireland and Croatia. I don't know how uh, the theater in Croatia found us, but well, I know it's probably online. But that was really exciting for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, in, in the past. Uh... Uh, last summer we played uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox on 35mm which was a lot of fun, free for kids 12 and under. And uh, we also had a poster sale that went on. I think every theater kind of had their own thing, their own special thing that they did on this day. And then a couple years ago we played Time Bandits and everyone who showed up got a free Time Portal map. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. It's, yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we've been discussing with the Our House Convergence Google group is MoviePass. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know, MoviePass is this subscription service. They send you a debit card, and it's $10 a month. And you show up to the theater, you check in on your app. Uh, it loads $10 onto the, on the, onto the debit card that they give you, and you swipe it, and then it's free for a movie. It's good for a movie ticket. And that's really all you have to do. $10 a month, you can get see a movie uh, every day. Uh, right, one movie a day. One movie a day for the price of this ticket. One 2D movie. One 2D movie, right. That's right, that's right. Um, so how are independent theaters responding to this? Well, I can say that a lot of them seem to be panicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a lot of what I've seen. And honestly, a lot of the chains, too. I know AMC, I think, is suing MoviePass. Yes. I think some of the panic came from, um, and I bet that a lot of the community doesn't know this, is that there was no conversation between any sort of the- between theaters and MoviePass. Theaters do not sign up to take part in MoviePass. Your theater is just automatically listed on the app. Um, a few theaters wanted to be taken off the app for their own various reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into mm-hmm. um, later in this but um, and it took them months in order to get uh, to get a hold of MoviePass to say, hey, don't list my theater on this. You're you know the subscription based model can't be used at our theater. Mm-hmm. So one thing to know about the way that this works from the exhibitor side is that ostensibly it is just like a cash transaction for us that the theaters themselves get paid the full price of the movie ticket from the MoviePass Corporation. Mm-hmm. So we in some cases, might not even know if you're not paying attention or tracking. Somebody just comes in and uses a debit card, and that's how that works. Right. The terminals only just see it as a MasterCard transaction. Exactly. It shows up as a MasterCard transaction. So a little history about MoviePass. It was founded in 2011, and uh, for most of its existence, it was something like a $50 a month subscription. But it wasn't until last August that they reduced it to a $10 a month subscription, and their system just got flooded with subscribers. I think um, nearly it has nearly 3 million pass holders right now. But Movie uh, MoviePass is projecting that they will have 5 million subscribers by the end of 2018 and account for around 20% of all movie ticket purchases. That's not surprising to me after having watched the data come in for our theater about how many sales of MoviePass tickets are, are happening now that we're keeping track. I mean... It, it's a growing number. Every mm-hmm. every week, we are getting more and more MoviePass transactions. And you have one, don't you, McKenzie? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I, well. I have one. I use it all of the time. And as a user, I think it's great. You know, people were freaking out that they're tracking your data. Um, and part of me just wants to say, everyone's tracking your data. Right. Yeah. That doesn't, that right, do, that's that doesn't freak me out as much. That's... But um, yeah, I use it. Um, I use it at Quality Sixteen. I use it at Rave. I use it um, all over the place, and it's it's been really great. I've definitely 
think that, you know, I've gone to see movies that maybe I wouldn't have paid um, mm-hmm. 10 bucks to go see. I'll go see it because, you know, you're not losing any. As a, as a transaction, for the customer side, it's like I'm not losing any uh, capital by going to see that movie. And we should say MoviePass was also a supporter of The Last Star House Convergence. Yep, they were there. Yep. And for me, I enjoy it. Like you said, there's movie, certain movies that you always see and like, I'll just wait for it to come out on video. But this, there's you have nothing to lose. Just go and see it in, in the movie theater experience the way that the filmmakers want you to see their movies. Yeah, and that's really exciting to me because I know um, I'm not someone that MoviePass needs to convince to go to the movies. I go to movies probably twice a week with or without a MoviePass. I am still there going all the time. It's my favorite thing to do. That's why I got into this job in the first place. But um, there, I definitely do know people that if this is getting, especially a younger audience, excited about going to a movie and not just waiting for something to show up on Netflix, that's really great. And I, I that excites that excites me a lot. I think what most theaters are concerned about are the long the long term effects. But does this eventually is this going to devalue the experience of going to the movie? Right. Um, And whether it's sustainable, because currently it's not sustainable as a financial model. So then the question becomes, what's the end goal? Where is this going? What once MoviePass has acquired all of these customers, because that's the argument, right? It's that these are MoviePass customers. They're not Michigan theater customers. Right. They're not, you know, music box customers. They're MoviePass customers. And they're going to go where the MoviePass goes because it's such a good deal. Mm hmm. And it can't last forever at $10 a month. And so where does it go from there? And what then does the exhibitor become obligated to in order to maintain these customers? Because realistically, the as a, as a nonprofit theater, what the movie pass is cutting into isn't ticket sales for us because we're getting paid for the ticket, mm-hmm. but it's memberships. Yeah which is something that we rely on as a nonprofit theater as a great deal of our support and sustainability as an organization. It does seem like a millennial and a very, um, like what Mackenzie was saying, like if it's getting someone who's younger who would typically go, I'm going to just watch it on Netflix or Hulu or whatever is happening, and it actually gets them into the theater, that's, that, that's a draw. And that is not cutting into our membership base. So it's like, it's, that's a tricky argument because oh, they're absolutely. not our members. <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, and that's one thing is that uh, the arguments I'm presenting aren't necessarily my own personal no, ones, yeah. but as much as they're representing a concern of the exhibition industry, because like Mackenzie said, a lot of people are feeling a little panicky about this, that they're sort of losing control. But absolutely, isn't there a value in getting people into a movie theater who wouldn't have gone into mm-hmm. it otherwise? Mm-hmm. You know, it takes away that special event nature of going to the movie and makes it more of a part of people's lives. Right. Right now, theaters are excited for it because when their customers aren't paying for tickets, they're paying more for concessions. Right. Which also leads to a a, Mm -hmm. a problem down the line for MoviePass as well in that there are certain theaters that are partnering with with MoviePass, such as Goodrich here in Ann Arbor. They're actually a MoviePass partner, so you can go on their app. You can buy your tickets in advance. Uh, For other theaters, you have to be within 100 yards of the theater to check in on the app. Then you pay for your ticket. And then you go in, but for, for theaters like Goodrich uh, and now Landmark Theaters, uh, you, you can just check in on the app uh, at home so you uh, you can get it in advance before you show up to the theater. And for theaters that are partnering with with MoviePass, MoviePass has this leverage over them where they say, 
you're getting so many people, so many more people to the theater that you wouldn't have, and you're getting more from concessions. We want to cut your concessions as well. So that's that's definitely a fear that they're, theaters. They've are said that, or that's the fear that they're going that's, to say. That's the, the fear. That's the fear. Oh, that's the fear. And, oh, but then. Oh, and I will do. Yeah, and it's. I think most people are concerned too that just movie, sorry, movie pass. Movie pass is <laughs> being. Oh no, and I. Yeah, it's there was a lot of. Um, Really great heated debate at the convergence yeah. because MoviePass and did the come. Google group yeah, and the mm-hmm. Google group, which uh, multiple people from MoviePass are on, and mm-hmm. I know one of them, Bernadette. She's great. I love her, mm-hmm. and um, she, yeah, she was talking about how theaters have all these concerns, but and but you know she's saying, hey, you know we're bringing you all of this great, uh, all these great customers, all of these great sales. I think the some of the uh, issues that people are concerned about is that none of this data is really available to them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. MoviePass keeps shooting out these numbers of yeah, you know, we're gonna have twenty, we're gonna be twenty percent of the film audience, but they don't have any data that they release publicly to back that up. Right. They're just they're secretive about certain things. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is absolutely within their right to be, but I think that's why some exhibitors are getting panic. Yeah, it, it makes them concerned. Is that how Netflix was at first too? Were they not being forthright with some of that information? Yeah. And now we see Netflix. At some of the major festivals, we see them like partnering with with major distributors. Amazon and Magnolia distrib- they they partner together to s- distribute films. So it's going down that path, it seems. So it's a very similar model, even though it's still a little bit different. It's a credit card model, really. Yeah, <laughs> and Netflix still isn't being very forthright with their data. We still don't know uh, how many people are watching their movies they'll they'll say like this many like this is a popular movie and they'll put mm-hmm. it on the front page of your netflix but you don't know who is exact who is exactly as are watching these adam sandler movies that mm-hmm. they're that they're forcing on you my dad i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> everyone's dad <laughs> um no i think that it's really kind of a you know i i think that some exhibitors really are holding on to the sort of romantic notion of what a movie theater is and what a movie theater audience is. And to some extent, I think that the horse is out of the stable. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that people respond well to subscription services. Netflix is a great example. We know that that's what people are looking for, for that ease of entertainment. And, And one thing that I think that we as movie theaters need to not get too hung up on is we are no longer the only source of movies. Mm -hmm. So what we are selling is not the movie. Mm -hmm. We are selling the experience of going to a theater and having a community share in seeing a movie. And that's what we do. And that's what we need to hold on to. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And yeah, like you said, People are coming out of their homes. I think there's a Mitch Lowe, who's the founder, or not, uh, he's the CEO of MoviePass now, and he, yeah. he used to be the CEO of Netflix. And his quote, uh, paraphrasing, is he wants to bring the binging experience back to the theater. Right. And I think that's actually, it's, it's, it's a nice sentiment to have, especially as uh, for independent uh, cinema owners. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that was my favorite thing as a kid growing up was to go, we would, because I lived in a small town, so we would have to drive to go to the bigger city to go see the movies in the theater that we wanted to see. And we would spend all day there because we'd driven for it. And so it would just be this full day experience of binging movies in the mm-hmm. theater. And that was really fun. And honestly, it's kind of like a festival experience now a little bit, you know, like with film festivals that kind of really 
there's something really great about seeing a movie in a theater that I think has gotten lost for people with the stress of going to see a movie in a movie theater. You know, the, mm-hmm. the high prices, the parking, the the hassle of it that I think it, it's brought back. Yeah, and they are not only in their support of the Art House Convergence, they're also supporting independent cinema as an industry because mm-hmm. they, they're they forming a subsidiary, uh, MoviePass Ventures, and they bought a, a film that we may have talked about on a previous podcast, uh, American Animals. Mm-hmm. Which was at Sundance. Which was at Sundance, uh, which was at True False. Uh, maybe coming to Cinetopia? Perhaps. <laughs> we'll have to see yes, when yes. the program <laughs> announcement happens. <laughs> and they're co-partnering, co-partnering with The Orchard to uh, produce and distribute mm-hmm. the, this film. So they do, they do have their eye on, on independent film. I mean, they are partnering with Landmark and Mega, yeah, and Megaplexes, but they do have their eye on, eye on independent uh, cinema, and I think their intentions are good. Certainly, their intentions are business, financial. I mean, but if they also help encourage people to see more independent films, then that's good too, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I would say, especially with some of the films that we play, um, you know, if this, if the movie pass gets a student out to see some foreign, right. uh, you know, drama that they're never going to, that probably might not even be on Netflix one day. Right. If that gets them in the door because they're like, yeah, I don't know, I'll just go see a movie today. That's exciting to me. I mean, if you're going to talk about dangers to a membership program, which I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. the biggest danger to a membership program is for people to not care about what we're offering at all. Mm-hmm. Right. The biggest danger is that people aren't going to be interested in independent movies because that's something that hasn't been instilled in them because whatever reason. And if what MoviePass is doing is getting people engaged in independent movies, that's going to drive audiences. That's driving an an engagement that is kind of priceless and, and helps instill a future for independent cinema. Especially when, um, you know, if you look at our member base, our wonderful, wonderful member base, our most art house audiences, including the audience of the Michigan Theater, is older is an older retired audience. They have the income and they have the time and the mm-hmm. desire to come see films. So if this is bringing in that young audience that will continue to come and see movies over their life, then that yeah, that's a win-win. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of a a wrench thrown into the machine of our of our business, but what I think what we've learned from this podcast, this episode was that we do have a community for us to to share our experiences with. And I think this community is going to allow, allow us to adapt to changes. And I think that's really what businesses thrive, thrive on is right. adapting. And uh, I think that we'll be able to do it. I have, I have faith in this, you guys. Keep loving movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So now is the time before we wrap up, we're going to get into our movie magic moments of the week. And uh, if you listen to the past couple episodes, this is the moment where we take some time to step away from the conversation that we've been having to share an experience that we had watching a movie or on TV or watching a television show that reminded us why we love movies. I can say last night, and I did not plan this, I promise, Ann Arbor District Library, but last night (laughs) I uh, stopped off at the library to return a book uh, Annihilation, which was an interesting read and a great movie. Anyways, stopped by at the library uh, to return that book, and I saw Prisoners on the shelf, yeah. uh, which I had never seen. That's the, uh, I think, Denis, that's how he says his name, because he's French. It smelled like Dennis. Denis Villeneuve uh, film starring Hugh Jackman on Jake Gyllenhaal uh, came out in 2013, I believe. Um, checked it out, DVD. 
uh, which is rare for me because normally I do, like I said earlier, I do see movies theatrically. But I went home in the rain last night and put that on my big screen with the rain falling down outside, uh, got a cup of tea, and I <laughs> loved it. I love that film. Beautiful, uh, horrifying film that you can check out from the Ann Arbor District Library, Prisoners, 2013. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, last, this is Caitlin speaking. <laughs> um, last week I was having a particularly crummy day, and I got home, and I was just flipping through, just needed to unwind and relax a little, and Moonstruck was on. Oh, oh my and God. And my husband had never <laughs> seen it before. Oh, my God. Why did you marry him? I said, well... Um, many reasons. Um, we have a lot of other movies. That's a movies and Yeah, right. <laughs> Join uh, us next week for Caitlin's <laughs> Why I Love Aaron. <laughs> um, no, uh, so we sat down and watched it, and um, I loved it. I still love it. I can watch it, and I know it's every word, and I, I, it's always nice to go back to some familiar titles and uh, remind yourself of... Um, why you got into the business or why you enjoy it. And so that was one for me where I'm like, oh, this is a fun one. It's just, and Aaron's like laughing at me, laughing at the screen. <laughs> and he laughed at a few things, but he's like, I can't tell if it's funny or not. I was like, it's funny. It's Nick perfect, Cage is funny. It's a perfect movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, John Mahoney, who just passed away, oh, has that lovely scene yeah. um, in the Italian restaurant. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there it is. Moonstruck, mm. another film you can pick up from the Ann Arbor District Library. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my selection is not yet available at the Ann Arbor District Library. <laughs> and it is actually a movie that I watched for uh, potential consideration for Cinetopia Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one had come to me with a lot of preamble. Uh, it's called Combat Obscura. It's a documentary. And it is about uh, military in Afghanistan, sort of behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's really, it's like these guys were paid to record the military, and they kept recording even when they weren't recording their official footage. And this is sort of all of the unofficial... Anyway, this movie <laughs> opens with one of the kind of... It was really sort of baffling and upsetting and really strong of just the opening sequence is something blowing up and then somebody shouting, we blew up the wrong building. (laughs) And it was so loud and intense that it just really struck with me, stuck with me. I truly don't know how that movie exists. I don't understand how they they were. So they were Marines who were filming their own Marine Corps. Uh Uh-huh. And what are, they were shooting like a an advertisement for the Marines, and the Marines just let them keep all their other footage. It's like real. It's like it speaking is. of Jake Gyllenhaal, it's like it's like real life Jarhead. Kind it is. Of. That was yeah. exactly what it felt like to me. And exactly. It's, I don't understand how that movie was. Released. No. Yeah. Exactly. It's really, like I said, baffling and upsetting and fascinating, fascinating all at the yeah. same time. Like I could not stop watching it. And um, and so I don't know if that one's going to make it into Cinetopia mm-hmm. or not. It's we'll have to intense. see. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's really intense. And mm-hmm. for some reason, that was a magic moment for me. It, it hasn't left my head. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so mine is a little bit lighter. I mm-hmm. I recently saw Ready Player One, and Ready Player One, it's it's getting uh, it's getting a little bit of criticism of maybe it's a little bit too long. Maybe Spielberg wasn't the right person to do this because he's kind of biased and that he created 
everything that the movie is celebrating. He created blockbusters. Right. Exactly. He's celebrating himself. <laughs> you know, his I, own legacy. Every once in a while you need to do yeah. that. <laughs> Who else is going to? <laughs> but there's a, it's, it's, I'm going to be delicate with this description because I, d- I don't want to, to spoil it for, any, for anyone. But there's a moment where they go to uh, the set of an iconic movie. I'll just say that. They enter the world of this iconic movie. And you can feel Spielberg's joy in doing this because I don't, uh, from what I understand, this wasn't a moment that was in the book. This is a, a moment that was made purely for the screen. It was just Spielberg showing off this this rendered set of this uh, iconic classic movie set. Is it a Spielberg movie? It is not a Spielberg okay. movie. Um, and that's and that's what was so joyful about it was that they entered the set and you know what's going to be there and that there's danger lying around every corner and you don't know exactly how it's going to represent itself and he exploits this suspense and fear at every moment every moment that he gets and it's so fun to watch because you can see Spielberg's excitement on the screen and that's magic to me and that, that there was uh, <laughs> as soon as they entered the set uh, the only word to describe my emotion was giddy <laughs> and the person I like leaped in front of my seat and the person I was sitting next to had to like, grab my arm and be like hey calm down for a second <laughs> it was great. it was so much fun and uh, yeah did magic. you use your movie pass to see it? I did use my movie pass <laughs> to see it see <laughs> so that, uh, that's going to wrap up Behind the Marquee thanks for listening again uh, we want to hear what you think about the podcast you can find us on uh, Facebook Twitter and Instagram the Michigan Theater account and that's theater T-H-E-A-T-E-R uh, come and find these movies at the Ann Arbor District Library we thank them again for letting us take up their space and record this thing thank you all for coming by again once again thank you Nick thank you Nick uh, we're going to be back in a couple weeks so join us again at Behind the Marquee Thank you.